Manufacturing Hub with Dave and myself. Today, we will be recapping our, I want to say, involvement in Automate 2023 last week. For those of you who have missed the videos as well as the posts on LinkedIn, we have met a lot of people from the industries. We've connected with people at different booths, different OEMs, end users. We've had a lot of conversations. The show was extremely, I want to describe it as hectic because I think we had so many ambitious goals to uh, to hit on our list, Dave. And I, th I think we've certainly achieved a lot. Obviously, I think there's always opportunity to do more and improve, but I wanted to get your thoughts, Dave. What was your impression of last week's Automate 2023? I thought it, it was amazing. It was exceptionally full. From the first moment we went to walk in, we got our badges and we ran into half a dozen people we knew. And then as I was desperately trying to leave on Thursday to go ahead and say goodbye and drive back to Western New York, I actually ran into Greg McIntyre, who was on the show recently. And Greg and I stopped to chat for 20 or 30 minutes. And, and that basically d describes our show, right? We're always running into people uh, the, to talk to. People are going and flagging us over. So it was a very, it was a very jam-packed, very full show. But generally speaking, it was a, it was great. We got to see a lot of people in person to person. We got to see a lot of hardware that I haven't seen in person in a number of years. In fact, Vlad and I actually met in person for the first time during Automate. So if you guys are not following along on the LinkedIn, uh, on the anything else, Vlad and I actually met in person for the first time there. So that was fun. And we are still doing episode 116. So the show did not die at episode 115. So episode 116 means that Vlad and I are going to continue to do this show after meeting in person. I think it will only absolutely continue to continue to get better. But no, Vlad, what are your other kind of like top line thoughts on Automate? Yeah, I was going to make a comment on the first thing that you mentioned, which was meeting Greg McIntyre. And I think that's the beauty maybe of these in-person automation events where you have a whole bunch of people with the common interest, which is, again, manufacturing and automation. That being said, I think it was really great for us to reconnect or I guess connect with each other, but also reconnect with a lot of the guests that we've had on the show. A small update. So Courtney Fernandez went to work for Greg, I believe six or so months ago or earlier this year. And so they're working on a robotic solution that Greg was presenting. I also didn't see the booth, but I had a few message exchanges with him. So certainly a lot of, I want to say, movement in our field, but it's also really cool to see people that we've talked to in the past switching careers or moving into companies together. So I think those connections were very, very well received. In terms of the show as a whole, I think there was a lot to see, as I've mentioned before. I had a list of, I think, 50 booths or so to go visit. <laughs> I had messaged a number of people to, to go see them. I want to say on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before leaving and flying out on Thursday. That's something we can get into a little bit later. But ultimately, I think there was a whole lot to see if you're an engineer, if you're an end user, if you're trying to figure out solutions, or if you're just looking at the industry and trying to see maybe where the market is going, if you're trying to understand a little bit more on the business side. So for me, it was extremely interesting because as you see by the wall behind me, I'm always looking at newer, I want to say, things to explore and play with. But I also try to understand where, again, as I've said, the industry is going, what are the driving factors of some of these OEMs. And that's something we will explore in this conversation as well. But ultimately, I think there were a lot of really cool and interesting technical solutions 
that regretfully, as we've discussed, I didn't get to explore in in all the detail, I think, that the opportunity provided. Yeah, so I actually wanted to go into that j- just a little bit. And Vlad mm-hmm. and I have talked, and Vlad, your experience of going to shows before this was absolutely 100%. You are the engineer. You're going from the perspective of, hey, I've done a good enough job at the facility that I've been working at. So they're sending me to X show and I get to go learn some things and I get to go maybe meet some people and I get to go ahead and do all of all of this. And yeah, and so I get to go ahead and do all of this. And this show was very different. You went in, you had a list of 50 booths that you wanted to see. And then it was my joke, right? I'm like, Vlad had a list of 50 booths by the time he got down the first half of the list of potential vendors. And it very quickly, I guess, Vlad and I very quickly got sucked into the, we're seeing the people we're seeing. And we get to go meet all of these other amazing folks, especially some of you guys listening and watching that we'll absolutely go ahead and talk about. But from your engineering perspective, how, how do you feel that you, I guess, were you prepared? Did you prepare the correct way for the show that you're now seeing now, both as co-host of Manufacturing of, but also as a business owner, as someone that runs Solus PLC, as someone who typically would have a list of commitments going into a show like that? Yeah, I think that the first maybe word that comes to mind is overwhelming, was the sentiment that you feel with, I guess, the show of this nature, right? And to unpack that a little bit more, I think the last show that I've been to in full presence for an entire week was Automation Fair. If I'm not mistaken, it was 2019, so right before COVID hit. And so the focus of something like Automation Fair is one single line of tech on the Rockwell automation side, right? And so the difference with Automate is that I think there's so much information packed at a single booth that if you're a technical resource that's looking at some of these solutions, I think it becomes overwhelming to keep track of what's available unless you have a very narrow point. And I know that we've met with James Dean at one of the lunch events, and I think he had a very specific focus, which was looking at vision systems. And we're not going to get into detail, but ultimately, I think unless as an engineer, you go with a very narrow focus, it's very easy to just go from booth to booth and spend to be honest with you, you could spend a couple of hours at each one of them and learn a lot, right? You're going to be given a lot of the information. You're going to be given some examples. You're going to be able to interact with some of the solutions, but it's also easy to get that information and very quickly forget as you move on. So I think that's maybe something we can discuss as well, like missed opportunities for OEMs and how to maybe streamline that process. I believe that many of them capture the barcode as you come up to the booth and you talk to them. They probably send you some follow-up information. I don't know how well that is streamlined, but I guess, like I said, my impression is that it's very easy if you're not structured with a very specific application to get a lot of information, but ultimately not get a whole lot out of it because of just the amount of information. Do you share that perspective or what are your thoughts on that? I would agree with that. So certainly earlier in my career and certainly like smaller shows, if I don't have a goal, you could just wander around aimlessly, right? You could go talk to everyone. You could probably spend the entire week talking to people in the first three three rows just of kind of any trade show because there are so many different things to go to. What I have found and what I've told Vlad going in is that typically for me, a trade show is, yes, I'm going to go be there for three or four days, 
but it's I'm going to spend, I don't know, 20 or 30 or 40 hours beforehand going and figuring out who I want to talk to and which booths I want to see and specifically which technical things I want to learn from these people. And if I can do a good job going and setting up meetings with those people in booths or with people in meetings outside of those booths, I'm going to go ahead and do that. So that's what I have found allows me to get the most out of to get the most out of one of these shows going and wandering around is amazing at some point you get to the hey i've got these three issues at my facility i'm going to go talk to these three people or i need to talk to these three people and a couple of systems integrators and maybe i'm going to go attend the keynote maybe and we didn't even talk about training sessions right so there are technical sessions Vlad and I didn't make it to any of them. We know, I don't know, people who spoke at somewhere between six and like 20 of these technical sessions, but Vlad and I made it to none of these technical sessions. And I think that's a whole other part of the trade shows is, are you going to go down and do a technical route? Are you going to do continuing education? Are you going to do things like that? I think that there are huge opportunities to do that, to go upskill yourself, but then you're putting yourself in an even less amount of time to be able to go have the conversation. Yeah, to be able to go and have those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, it de- it really depends what you're trying to get out of it. I think that earlier in my career, I was going to many of those technical sessions to understand the technology. But I found out also that the value, at least for me as a, I want to say at the time, a technical end user resource was to meet the experts in those specific verticals. And what I mean by that, I want to say like in a concrete way, as an example, we were at the Siemens booth and we spoke to Colm, who is a contact of ours, right? And he understands virtualization and twin systems extremely well. So I think to reach out to him, I want to say indir- indirectly by going to just the Siemens website would be extremely difficult, right? But once you establish that contact and you have him in your network and you do run into issues on that suite of products, it should be fairly easy for you to send a direct email to Colm and ask some questions and be pointed to the right resource. And so the same goes for drive systems. A lot of times at these shows, you will have experts with 20 years developing the drive platform that understand it at the very core, right? And so if you don't make those contacts, it can be very easy to reach them from the outside. So I think that's a huge I want to see I want to say value that maybe younger engineers and including myself missed early on and I now understand how important that is. Absolutely. I will make the joke that I've made to to a bunch of folks especially engineers is that trade shows like these are maybe the one time a year or the two or three times a year that we let like super technical engineers, support staff and otherwise go out in into the wild to go talk to customers because Folks are going to come with very specific, very technical questions. I have had some of the most technical in-person conversations ever with folks at things like Automation Fair, at different events like that, because all of the technical resources are there. I will say one of the things that I've enjoyed with Rockwell's Automation Fair, I think that they're slightly changing it, but PSUG, Process Systems User Group, used to run technical events the Monday, Tuesday, and then the Wednesday, Thursday would be the would be the entirety of the event and the trade show. That they would have other technical sessions going on during the trade show, but it gave you the opportunity to go there to spend four days to go talk to the people that you're going to talk to. A bunch of people there who 
honestly, it's probably the one time of year that the vice president of MES and Batch and all those folks get together to go have conversations and you get to go have those conversations. But part of that is, is showing up and putting yourself in the right position to go ahead and ask those questions. And I would imagine that if that's not something that you've done or are comfortable with in the past could absolutely be difficult. And I guess, Dave, if we want to close off like this specific topic with maybe giving a recommendation of a schedule, and I guess I'll start with my example, right? So if I'm back in a technical resource at an end user group, I think on day one, I would either schedule a few technical sessions or I would go see the booths of vendors that I'm currently doing business with, right? So what I mean by that is, let's say you have Siemens, you have Festo, you have, I don't know, Wago, you have maybe Cognex or another vision systems vendor at your facility, I'd probably dedicate like an entire day just talking to those experts. And as I've said, establishing that relationship, day number two would be potential new technical opportunities. So again, we've talked about being very targeted, right? So if my facility that I'm currently supporting is looking into vision systems or is looking for welding applications, robotics, then probably day two would be spent very targeted like exploration of those new technologies. And I would say like day three would be almost open-ended, right? Because I think that there's a lot of really cool tech that I think like you can discuss, but it's good to get this perspective. Because I think if you're stuck in, and not necessarily stuck, but if you're positioned in one vertical, you may not have the same technology displayed to you as other ones, right? So I think that there is a need for some time for exploration and Automate, I think certainly didn't lack the technologies and the vendors that we're presenting, I want to say like cool applications that I don't know if I would put in a facility, but I would just be like, how can we make this work? So maybe uh, like a full day of just exploration. And again, that could be filled in with some technical, some technical or talks as well. Uh, I think that would be a good setup for you, Vlad. I guess for me, I typically go to a show and I typically try to have as much focus as possible, right? I try to have the these are the three to five things or maybe five to seven things, but even at seven things, it starts to be difficult of what would success mean for me for this show, right? And so if you are looking to go continue to go build those vendor relationships, go build those vendor relationships. If you are looking for new specific technologies, go look for new specific technologies. I've shown up to shows before and I show up to booths and it's you guys are on my top five list. I need to go be able to have this conversation with you of I am looking for this type of technology. And I, I know you guys have it. Do you have documentation? Can I talk to someone about it? I need one or five or 50 of these things for a client. I think you guys can go solve that problem. So I'm looking to go solve problems. If I'm looking to go talk to vendors, I, I do my best to, especially I do my best to set up meetings with them. If they are vendors and you guys rank high enough to go ahead and do that, go try to preset meetings because a lot of the business that happens at shows like this are in meetings that have been set up beforehand and are not on the very loud show floor. So I would say, don't feel compelled to go spend your whole time on the show floor. There's lots of cool technology. There's lots of things that will go ahead and be able to draw you in, but focus on a specific number of things that are very important. I will also say that historically on four day shows or five day shows, the first and the last day are almost exclusively 
the quietest, right? And we saw it this year at Automate. Monday was fairly quiet. It was actually nice because we got to go have a lot of those conversations of things that we were planning to do later in the week. We got to go say hi to people. We got to go down that path and go have those conversations. And so many times it may be, I've got to fly in on a Sunday and wake up on the money to go in. But that really depends upon where you are in your career and if it's worth burning one of those or half a day over the course of the weekend in order to go prepare yourself to, to go work on that Monday. I will also say that the last day, especially if the days are, especially if the day is, is truncated. So on automate, the last day ended at three o'clock as opposed to five o'clock, which was normal. And so typically lots of people, including Vlad, including a number of clients and other folks that I knew who were there, they left Wednesday night or they left Thursday morning so that they could go go continue on with the rest of their life. And so many times the Thursday or the end of the week is a good opportunity because historically those are typically we're going to go bring in school children, right? We're going to go bring in community or other people. I've heard people say, hey, we're going to pull out, pull away all the good swag. We're going to go do a bunch of things. Like we're going to pull off anything that might get stolen because we might go have 5,000 school children, 12 to 14 year old, 12 to 14 years old running around. So more people are cognizant of that. But if you are there and want to have conversations, could be another opportunity to go have those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I've experienced that for Monday as well, right? It was relatively quiet. I think the Canadian holiday had also something to do with that. But ultimately, the show was, I want to say, extremely packed as of Tuesday and Wednesday, right? Like you could sense that Monday was almost like a not, it wasn't empty by any stretch of that word. So those who weren't there, there were still a lot, of, a lot of conversations going on at every booth. I think we shot a lot of really good content. We spoke to people at Vention, at Phoenix Contact. We visited a bunch of the booths which we had engagements later that week. So there was still a lot of traffic. It just wasn't nearly as busy as on Tuesday and Wednesday. But speaking of, I guess, busy. So Dave, me and you had committed to create a number of content or a bunch of content during that week. I wanted to talk about, before we dive into what we did, ultimately, what was your perspective on like before the show? Was there great content coming out during the show? Was there good content coming out? And how do you see maybe those opportunities? So talking a bit less from the visitor standpoint, but what is the opportunity also for the OEMs and those who are putting on the show and trying to engage end users and engineers to come to their booths or look at their new products. Absolutely. So I would say, and my general feeling for most shows is that shows absolutely can and need to do more in order to go drive people in. I think the best way to put it is I have a client. We won't go ahead and drop their names. I was talking to them I don't know, the week before the show, maybe three or four days before the show. And they're like, Dave, have you heard of, are you going to automate? And I thought they were joking because I thought that we were all going to get together in like four or five days. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to automate. I'm getting ready. We're getting everything packed up. We're going to head in a couple of days early to go see family. And they're like, cool. And then the other guy came in and we were having a bit of a conversation. They're like, Dave, when is automate? And I'm like, guys, it's Monday. It's four or five days from now. And so that they had been getting emails, they had been seeing things. And I, I think it's if and they and a, a group of people from this company ended up going. And I guess my point is that we are doing some amount of stuff that talks about that, that talks about the show that we have. 
But obviously, if people who want to go, people who are willing and did go, didn't know that it was happening, we have to do more. So we absolutely have to do more in order to go drive awareness of the show. I find that shows typically are maybe two, maybe three weeks before we start talking about it. People go make people who aren't showing people who don't have commitments, go make commitments. We, we have a great show. We post tons of selfies, not Vlad because Vlad didn't take any selfies. I have, I had to take all the selfies for Vlad, but we, we go, we take a ton of selfies. We go post it. Maybe we post up some learnings. Some of us, mainly Dave, have very long lists of follow-ups and other things that we've got to do. And we can go talk about the importance of, of takeaways of what comes from the show later. But then, I don't know, two or three weeks later, it's just kind of like, poof, gone, right? Like, it's almost like we've lost any and all of those learnings. Even in all of the Automate 2023 posts that I saw, I saw lots of pictures. I saw lots of selfies. I saw lots of mixers. We spent lots of times at all these places. There, there's very little kind of passing on of the knowledge. So I, I know people that did sessions. I know people that did speaking within these sessions. What I don't know is what really occurred because I have not seen a huge list of, hey, these are the top five most powerful points that I heard from the keynote or that I heard from this session or that I heard from that session. Yep. There is a huge opportunity and we as a community have to do better of sharing that knowledge. As Vlad and I tell lots of people, a good, one of the main kind of tenants or pillars, because Vlad loves pillars, of the reason that we do Manufacturing Hub is that we as practitioners want to go share our knowledge and want to go help share and showcase the knowledge that we found almost exclusively very difficult, right? Like many times it's very difficult to go pull that knowledge out. We go to shows to, in theory, share knowledge but then the people don't share the knowledge from the show. So there are huge opportunities in order to go get better. And we as a community must be better. And we have to have our large OEMs and maybe the shows themselves do a better job of going to drive that content and knowledge sharing beyond just beyond just what we are doing now. Vlad, what are your perspectives? I'm going to go showcase this because Vlad does love his pillars, Derek. You have no idea. That's a whole other show on itself. But Vlad, what are your thoughts? Do you think that we did enough to talk about automate beforehand, automate after? Or I guess, what are your thoughts on what you've seen so far and what you hope to see in the future? Yeah, absolutely. And like the comments that you made certainly resonate. I think that there's a lot to be said about the difficulty of getting content due to someone's too shy maybe or doesn't want to be on camera. And I fully get that, right? I think like that's... An entirely different discussion but i think that there's a missed opportunity in not let's say filming the technical sessions right so for example i or i guess we didn't find a time to be in i want to say any of those sessions but ultimately if there are interesting pieces of information i would go and rewatch it and especially those who are not able to attend that session because they've simply not been to automate i think it's a simply I want to say missed opportunity to not have access to those sessions. And to be honest with you, I haven't checked if they have recorded anything. My guess is most likely not. I guess we should also point out that many of the sessions in the majority of these trade shows, they're all paid for technical sessions, right? So sometimes you've got to pay to get on, to get on the floor. I, I believe Automate didn't, did not have a charge to get on the floor. But the technical sessions are separate tracks and you have to go pay for those separate tracks. And I think th those are technical sessions and speaking engagements. That that was generally in, in the upstairs area. And then 
automate like Hanover, like Automation Fair, like many others have limited numbers of seats in those technical tracks. And the more hands-on work you do, obviously the less seats we have because you need computers and all of these other things. So there is still some, we have to go hold on to the value that we're bringing. And I guess I should make the point of, I don't necessarily, I am not necessarily asking them to go videotape it and go launch all these sessions for free because there is some intrinsic value. I guess my comment is like in, in many other places, you, you've got people like live tweeting these sessions, right? So you've got people going and talking about these sessions. They're posting it to Twitter. They're posting it to other places that goes ahead and get shared. I'm not saying that we've got to go make great videos and great video clips of the top 82 things about ISA 88 batch. I'm not saying that that is the content we need to make. I am saying that if people are there and we know people are there, I am more so wondering why they're not sharing the information that they have, or I guess I haven't seen it. And I think that we as a community can get better at just sharing high to mid-level pieces of content because that helps support the speakers, that helps support the events, that helps support kind of everyone that is not sitting at that room, in that room. Yeah, look, my point of view is a bit different, right? Because I think that a lot of the like software industry events, for the most part, and again, maybe automate aside are free. And a lot of the sessions are free. And a lot of the sessions are published and broadcasted for free, both live as well as afterwards. There's recordings of them. I really don't understand if I'm a vendor that I'm paying for a session that I could not film my own session and publish it after the show, there could be ways to negotiate and be able to distribute that. So I disagree that, I, I think it's a maybe a structure of how it is in our industry today, but I don't think there's a technical limitation. I don't think there's a, maybe a negotiations limitation. I think it can all be done. I just think it, it is currently not done. And it certainly is a missed opportunity for OEMs in particular. I would agree with that. I think that based upon the number of conversations we had, the amount of content that is coming out of there, the people that we know who are making content both at the show and outside of the show and just going to do the uh, the meet and greet and selfie and hugs conversations of which we had. And, and I'm super happy that we've got to have all of those and have gotten to meet all of the other people who create content in our sphere. Th- there is certainly room for other people to do this and to make more content and to go ahead and share it and it doesn't have to be let's go commit to going and doing what dave and vlad did right like doesn't have to be let's go get the big camera it could be as simple as hey this is what i've learned i think vlad you and i have had this conversation before right so many times in our industry so many times in systems integration you go and you have a problem and you try to search for the problem you cannot find the solution to the problem so you're like man i'm so freaking frustrated about this you know what I'm going to do? I am going to go write a blog post or I'm going to go post it in Stack Overflow or wherever we're going to post it so that the next time this happens, someone will be able to find the answer to it. And then six weeks later or six months later, it's you. And you're so happy that you went and you posted to this is how I solved the problem. And then you can remember how to solve the problem again. So I think that there, there's a huge you know, time commitment and everything else gap between the content that many of us put out in video form and long form video form. And this is what we've learned. This is how we solve the problems. But I, I also think that Vlad and I are never going to, n- never going to agree, particularly on this topic. 
thank you for posting this, Daniel. I got back and honestly, I'm like, maybe the number one miss was Daniel and I did not get the selfies of our beards together. I'm not even joking. I'm like, we're going to go get like this beard selfie. And I'm like, oh, Daniel and I saw each other like seven times. And I think zero times did we get to, did we get to take a beard selfie? So I apologize for that, Daniel. We did get manufacturing hub stickers. We will do better next time. I will say maybe 2024 Automate will be the year where we convince Dave to do an event where people can throw in some cash at getting him to shave the beard live. But that is something still to be discussed and negotiated. No, no, hold on. Vlad continues to say that, and I continue to tell Vlad that he does not have enough money in his bank account. Well, it's not going to be happen. my money, but there's going to be people pitching in. Um, in any case, Dave, to come back to the content side, bring us back i i am surprised or i guess i was surprised that automate by the amount of i want to say independent people influencers but also oems that have been shooting content and i want to have a brief discussion with you about it so ultimately the groups that we know right so the moment we walked in jake hall and chris lukey had a very i want to say i was extremely impressed by the setup they had right like they had a full production crew they had very professional cameras, microphones, everything was really well set up, I think, at the Automate Live booth the entire week, and they had a lot of good conversations. Then we also spoke to the automation ladies who shot a bunch of content. Yep. I don't know if they're going to release multiple videos. I know they've posted a lot of photos and pictures. I think there's a couple of people in our group, our inner group, that also shot a bunch of videos. So I think Jacob Sanchez and there was somebody else that also creates a lot of manufacturing content that posted some videos, did a few interviews. So I think there was certainly an increase, I guess from my memory, from Rockwell's automation fair. I don't think there were any independent people, even though Tim and I and Chris Luke at the time had attended, I don't think there was just as good of a setup as we've seen at Automate. What were your thoughts maybe on that dynamic? Yeah, I think that there were a lot of people creating content. And I guess from my perspective, I think Automate, and I don't know when it became, it might be last year, but I think Automate has become the North American automation and manufacturing trade show. I think outside of that, there is, there's Automation Fair, as we briefly talked about earlier, as the Rockwell event, which is nice. And if you're in the Rockwell ecosystem, it is a great show to go to. And Vlad and I, I might twist Vlad's arm and we may end up there this year or at some point in the future. But I, I think that kind of outside of that, I struggle to come up with an every year show that is as big and as far reaching as Automate. I think especially next year, because Automate is going to go back to Chicago, Automate very well might just become the people who want to go see their friends and meet up with people and look at interesting content. Automate might just become that show into the future. But there is no Automate 2024. If I understood correctly, it's every other year? Or is uh, that incorrect? It, it used to be every other year. I am, let me, I am like 99% sure Automate 2024 is in Chicago. Yeah, Automate 2024 is May 6th through 9th in Chicago back at McCormick Place. Gotcha. Historically, um, pre-pandemic, Automate used to be on the odd years, and I think IMTS used to be on the even years. But because Automate missed a couple with COVID, 
it turned into it, it turned into automate went last year and then automate this year to go back on schedule and i think they've just gotten so much of it it became a automate is just going to be the show in north america and zach is down here in the comments agreeing zach i am purposely ignoring your shave the beard comments i just i would like you to i would like you to know that you and vlad can go continue to scheme off stream if, if that's I mean, it's gonna be a good cause dave you're not gonna be able to refuse it's gonna be amazing i'm looking forward i will absolutely be able to refuse but that is fine <laughs> that is is absolutely fine vlad has some obsession with my beard but look it, it, going it, back it, to maybe the positives of the content so i, I brought this up example a little bit off stream i think that even the oems are realizing that i want to say equipping the resources with the ability to create and share content is the right move and i guess the example that i bring up is alejandro from the festo booth that we spend a bit of time with on monday and a lot of time with on tuesday he had his own like gimbal set up and he was able to shoot videos before automate but also during automate and i'm assuming he's going to be sharing that after the show so i think that ultimately my comment is oems are realizing that maybe there is an opportunity on the content side but i guess in, in three ways before the show during the show and after the show and ultimately equipping their engineers with with the hardware and the tools and he even walked us through his own app right so he was able to shoot the videos on his phone through the gimbal he was able to get this like aerial shot of the assembly of the machine, which was actually, I thought, really cool, right? In terms of footage, he was able to edit that directly through some paid app on his phone and post that to LinkedIn. And I think he did get some good engagement and I'm assuming some people and traffic back to the Festo booth during the show. But ultimately, it also incites some conversation after the show about the technology that they've provided. And we're going to recap all of that. But I guess my point is to bring this all back I think there's more and more content being generated, but there's still more opportunities. I don't think that this was something we saw at every booth. I think that every OEM can certainly benefit from people doing that internally a little bit more. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I, I think the biggest thing is differentiation, right? Like how are you going to go differentiate yourself from the other 20 dozen booths all of whom have robotic arms, all of whom are, are doing and showcasing something different. Some of them may have taller booths, some of them may have smaller booths, but how are you going to differentiate yourself to automate and A3 have pulled in, I think the number was like 27,000. I think that we'll call it 27,000 registrants, right? So you have the opportunity to go have a conversation with 27,000 people. We can debate if you want to go have a conversation with all of them or not, but that is not this segment. This is how do you go ahead and pull them in and going and pulling them in means that you need to go generally put interesting content, put interesting other things out before the show so that you're on their radar so that you can make the list of booths that I'd like to see. You've got to put interesting, awesome content out during the show, ideally from yourself, but also from your engineers, right? The people who are your influencers in the space, the people who talk about your stuff every day. And then you need to go leverage that continuing on beyond the show we certainly see some people who do a really good job of it both both as kind of like marketing firms as well as a number of people who do awesome content in this stream the chat and otherwise and 
I think the bar is really low, right? Like you don't have to go get a gimbal and go make awesome videos. And Alejandro does a fantastic job of all of that. The bar is really low, right? Like we can go post some GIFs of our robotic arm doing something fun, do, doing something like that. And it's going to easily rise to the top of the vast majority of kind of everything else that is going on in the industry, right? So the bar is really low. We need more content as we go through all of this. And I guess I will make the comment, what is the differentiation factor between like booths or I guess like between the marketing, right? Because I think that's what ultimately comes down to. And I'll tell you, like for me, when I would be headed to the show or when I was just like waking up, I would check, let's say LinkedIn and there was a hashtag for Automate 2023. And ultimately I would see the booths that had created some content and at the very least, I had discovered some companies that I've never even known about and their technology, right? I would, at the very least, see a post with maybe five lines of a description and a either a picture or a short video of what they've done. And at the end of the day, that becomes a, how to say, like a piece in my mind that I can then relate to if I see it again, right? I'm going to go and check them out. So I think to bring this conversation back, if you have engineers who are constantly sharing that information for maybe posting insightful information about the technology that is at the booth or with the company, I think it just makes it more top of mind for those coming into the show, at least through that channel. And the same could be said, a lot of us watch YouTube at the end of the day or beginning of the day, so you can also find that content if it is relevant. And obviously YouTube is a bit slower, I think. It's not going to immediately post something in your feed. It's not the same at LinkedIn, but if you keep that information fresh, I think there's opportunities. There was a good question from Derek. Dave, this was one of the points we wanted to discuss. So he's asking, I have my own opinions, but I'm curious, what are both of your thoughts on comparing Automate to other like trade shows, for example, Modex, Promat, or ATX? And I'll say that to start us off, first of all, as I've mentioned before this entire or earlier in this conversation, the last show I've been to was Rockwell's Automation Fair in 2019. And so obviously the parallel is extremely different. I think this was a show pre-pandemic. The main difference for me is it was a single vendor trade show. So of course it, it is not an apples to apples comparison, right? So you're going to be seeing an entire exhibition of different technologies from one single vendor. So from that standpoint, it is maybe a little bit more limited, but it was also very pertinent for me at the time because I was doing a lot of integration for Rockwell and I was looking to, as I've said, create contacts with experts in very specific fields to have them as a reference if something was to, to happen at the facility. So I guess in contrast to Automate, I think that you have a lot of information packed into every single booth and you certainly can, as we've discussed, spend an entire maybe month. I want to say if, if that was a show for an entire month, I'd probably spend like two, three hours at every booth just to learn what's going on if I was doing it the same way. So that's maybe like my comparison. There's a lot of information packed into smaller sections. Dave, what I are your would, thoughts? I would agree with that, Vlad. If you had an entire month, you would go booth by booth for probably half a day at each booth. I absolutely agree with that. So Derek, to his comment about Automate versus other trade shows. So I guess... Uh, Modex and Promat, in, in my kind of looking, is it is more of a supply chain con conference. 
I see, I guess I see lots of the supply chain folks that I know go to those. I know some people have gone to ATX. I have not gone to ATX. I had a conversation about ATX. Nikki Gonzalez, one of the automation ladies, she has been to, I think it was ATX West that recently mm. happened. Um, or One of them happened and she had been to it and she was planning to, to go to the other one. It has never made it on, on my list of shows to go to. As I look at it, the North American schedule for like large shows has been automate. Historically, automate, from my point of view, has been the, the big robotic show. Again, I think that they've proved that they're moving past just robotics. And then the other show was IMTS and Hanover Mesa USA. To my understanding, IMTS and Hanover Mesa USA are continuing to stay every other year together. Hanover Mesa USA is rebranded into like industrial technology show. And they have a show on the off years. And it will be this year in October in Indy. I don't know how that's going to go. It will be interesting to, uh, to see how it will be interesting to see how that goes. Someone was in the comments. Someone was in the comments talking about Promat. So Alejandro is in the comments talking about Promat, saying it's a Promat and Automate together is a great show because you can see a lot of the same exhibition area and very diverse. Automate by itself is good. So I agree with that. And I think that it is very important to define what you want out of a show, right? And th that is what I have learned. So I was at Hanover earlier in the year, and that is significantly larger, right? It was three or four or five times people-wise larger, and this was a down year. And the hall that I was in, like four combined halls that I was in, was at least as big, if not bigger, than the entirety of Automate. And I went to other halls that were approximately the size of the Automate Convention Center. In Hanover, Siemens would have had a third, a half, maybe more, the entirety of the convention center, right? So there are huge booths for taking the entirety of the ecosystem. And then I had a number of people talk to me about SPS Nuremberg, listeners of the show and other folks. And their comment was Hanover is very much the thought leadership show, right? We've got all of our hyperscalers. We've got all of our people. We are talking about thought leadership, what comes next, kind of all of these things. SPS Nuremberg is very much kind of the process automation. People have problems that they are coming to solve, right? Like that is the goal. And I think that is a good kind of point of view and point of reference as to how do we think of shows, right? Automate, as I've told people, may turn into, it will probably take a couple of years to see if it does, it may turn into the big automation manufacturing North America show. It may turn into the, we are there to see and be seen as part of that show. We know a number of people who had booths. I think everyone we talked to, at least early on, was planning to have a booth or was planning to have a bigger booth. We knew, I probably talked to half a dozen folks that I know who were there just as let, let's go walk around and get a view of the show. Do we want to go bring the company to the show next year? And I think generally speaking, the answer was yes. We think that we can have a booth and we think that we can have a bunch of really good conversations in order. We think we can have a bunch of really good conversations as we go down that path. Yeah, absolutely. I want to explore, Dave, the comment that James Hoover made. So he said a great way for exhibitors to engage the attendees is by sharing technical knowledge rather than a generic sales pitch. I noticed some exhibitors I spoke with wanted to sell and others wanted to educate. 
I automatically wanted to buy the product from the person who shared just five to 10 minutes of education in our conversation. I think that's a, that's a very important message that resonates with me as I had a project in which we created a demo for one of the PLC Next products back in, I believe it was 2020 for ICC. But I think we've also made that comment since I was editing some of the footage that we made on last Monday, which was that I think simplicity is important, but also the ability for people to see and experience the solution for themselves. And I think that maybe this is a conversation that me and you can have based on some of the live builds we've done and some of the technical expertise that we have. But I think there's an opportunity to create better demos in some of these situations, right? And I think that it's a lot easier to demonstrate, let's say, a robotic arm that you can then, as we've done at Festo, reprogram and toggle the I.O. immediately and see that effect. But in many instances, with more of these software tools, that becomes a little bit, I want to say, more difficult to showcase and a little bit more difficult to present it in a way that is educational rather than we have the solution here's maybe like a pamphlet or some kind of like a picture and if you want to learn more then or if you'd like to buy then we can continue that conversation so i think that's a very important point i see a lot of vendors switch to educational content even outside of automate i don't think that this is something new in the industry per se but i think that there's still opportunity to tweak the way we set up booths in terms of education versus just listing the solutions. What are your thoughts on on that comment? I think that there, there are a couple of things that I'd like to unpack. I wanted to get to the booths and the things that we saw that we liked or didn't like, maybe would request changes for some people on none of the folks that we shot content with, none of the people in here, but things that we saw that might be good to, to look at for next year. But I kind of want to get to James. James first, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. We had a great time doing that. We saw each other at a bunch of booths. And so I think that it's a fine line, right? I think that it is a fine line to have the conversation of let's go talk and do education versus let's go see if someone is looking to actually purchase this. And I think it really depends upon, are we bringing more of our product managers, right? Are we bringing our technical marketers, our technical solutions folks, or are we bringing our salespeople? And maybe historically, a lot of the trade show booths were salespeople who knew maybe more, maybe not more than what you know about the product. But a lot of them are there in order to say, hey, is this something you're interested in? Let me go have the conversation, take a couple of notes on your card. I will sell you the product if you're looking for the product. If you're not looking for the product, I will go put you to one of our applications engineers or support specialists after the show. And I think when you get to large shows like Automate, it can be difficult, especially for people who have smaller booths, especially for people who don't have a lot of folks manning their booths. Having said that, to James's point and to Vlad's point, there's a reason why we basically don't do sales pitches on Manufacturing Hub, right? Like we give everyone chance at the end of the show to say, hey, how can we help you? If you're looking to sell things, we want to go talk about products. We want to go talk about education. The goal is not a sales pitch. And that's because education is important. But there are still a lot of OEMs, even systems integrators who haven't understood the value of education, right? So much of the time it becomes hey, 
let's go try to sell this thing, right? Like, why would I go share my knowledge? This is what I'm really good at. Why would I like to educate people about it? I just want people to call me and I just want to go do the thing that I'm good at. So I think, especially in the last seven or eight years, we see more and more of that mindset shift. But when you go to a place like Automate that has, I don't know, 20 rows, nearly 20 rows or no, more than that of booths. When you go to, to Automate that has hundreds of booths, a thousand booths, whatever this number is, you're going to run into people who are focused on, hey, are you interested in going to purchase the thing that I'm looking for or not? And if you're not, I will go wish you the best of luck or I'll go push you off to someone else. Having said that, it gives us as consumers the opportunity to choose, is this the group, is this the type of group that I want to work with? And that kind of leads into the other point of, should we be doing education? What should our booths look like? We saw a lot of very modern and minimalistic booths from people that we worked with, from a bunch of other people. We saw a lot of booths that, that honestly, I am not sure that they could fit another word printed on the background. And it's just like over overwhelming, right? And it wasn't all that many years ago that we saw lots of booths that everything was just absolutely overwhelming, but that is more aggressive, right? Like I'm going to, Zach, I think is probably still in the comments with Phoenix. I will tell you guys what I told Zach is, Zach, I love the booth. You've got a couple of your HMIs or IPC displays. You've got the cloud services. We've got a couple of lights, a couple of demos and boom, that, that is, that, that is it. And honestly, it was very calming comparative to a number of the other booths that, that we went in and, and we saw. And so because of that, I think we need to see that change into more modernism, more into minimalistic, more into inviting, as opposed to you can stand half a mile away and read every word we've ever written about the company. So, so with that, I think that we'll continue to see groups of people change more into the education and hopefully more into the modern minimalistic booths. We saw that I, I'm struggling to come up with a booth that was large, that was not that modern minimalistic design that come in, talk to us, take a look at our products. Let's go have a conversation and see how we can help each other. Okay. We don't have to name any name and shame, Vlad, but, but did you see any booths that were just larger than 10 by 10 or larger than 10 by 20 that were just super busy? Uh, there were interesting like robotics demo. Yep. To be honest with you, I don't have a judgment one way or the other because I don't think I took the time to explore some of those busier booths. But ultimately, again, as some of the comments suggested, it all comes down to the conversations, right? Are they just seeing me walk up and seeing me as a customer looking to purchase one of those solutions? And are they going to educate me rather than try and sell me on purchasing one of those? And I, I think maybe as a segue, Dave, so we keep ourselves on track into the technical side, the technologies that we've seen, but also maybe tying this back to the difficulty of education and the need for education is what I'm seeing in the industries that there's a lot of transition into, I want to say, complex software products, right? That cannot be as easily showcased as a robotic arm, right? So if I walk up to a booth that's showcasing a welding arm as an example, or I think there was a demo of a buffering arm, an arm that was like polishing a door. And so it's easy for me to understand the application, right? In terms of maybe complexity of that machine, I don't need a whole lot more if that's what I'm looking for to make a decision if this is an adequate solution for my specific application. But the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of the vendors 
I see have fairly complex software solutions. And as I mentioned, one of them that is really neat that you don't see at first glance was the Festo's integration of the UR controller into their hardware, right? And so if you just look at that robot, unless you have a conversation in which, you know, as Alejandro did with us, he explained what it was doing and he explained how to add elements and maybe control some of those devices, you wouldn't necessarily be able to make that decision if you want to buy it or not. So I think that's the, I want to say the growing complexity of solutions, but also what drives the need for a more educational approach, right? The same goes with some of the cloud solutions. I think it's not as easy to just have, like here's data being siphoned out of this PLC system and here's where it's being displayed and this is why it happens. And someone can just look at that and say, yeah, this looks great, I want to buy it. They need to be educated. They need to be explained, well, how is this exactly working? What protocols, what's possible, what's not possible? So at least for me, as like a, as an engineer, I guess, there is a lot of questions that I would need answers to before I'm able to commit to that being the right solution for me. Absolutely. I would say, Vlad, you missed the sales pitch of, hey, we asked these questions. This is why you need manufacturing hub at your booth. But as we said, no, no sales pitches. I will go point to the comment that Alejandro has saying that a portion of the Festo booth is targeting workforce development, in which is always busy. And Festo thinks education is key. So I will give a bit of a teaser. We spent a bunch of time actually in front of those really interesting Festo didactic, the Festo training arm a booth who focuses on training and workforce development. So we'll have a bunch of videos who come out there. And anyone that knows or has had a conversation with Vlad, and I know that we are fairly interested and excited as we do some not insignificant amount of that work, uh, both individually. Having said that, Robotics are easy, right? Robotics are easy. Robotics are awesome. It is absolutely fine. Vlad, Dave likes robotics. Vlad hates robotics. Uh, all robotics manufacturers, please remember that. Ro robotics I mean, are I think you're claiming they're easy. I don't What do you mean by easy? Robotics are easy to showcase, right? Like we can oh, go okay. put a robotic arm and people will come look at our robotic arm. We can go okay. make a robotic arm. So, so robotics are easy to go ahead and showcase. Hardware is something physical so that people can, can reach and touch. The, I guess, Dave's opinion is that the vast majority of OEMs are looking at, hey, we are selling robotics, we are selling hardware. If we want to continue to grow, if we want to continue to find this next phase of work, how do we get there? And I think the vast majority of them are coming to software and to services, right? So I think that is the key of, how do we go showcase the software? How do we go showcase the services? We've had a bunch of great showcases on the live build type things that we're doing. We see more and more people interested in those or interested in kind of similar concepts of those. And honestly, on the to go back to the education part, I think that it is really important to go show people that we can actually build things on our demo, right? If our goal is to go get a systems integrator to go commit to this, or get an end user to go purchase either from us or from someone else, like we should be able to go showcase how to build this. And so I think that is really important. I think that we will continue to see more of that. And I think it's hard to do, right? I think it goes back to the education point, right? Like I can explain what our relay is, right? Like we could, if it's a physical relay, not a solid state relay, we could go see and or hear it click. 
If it is a solid state relay, we can go show inputs, outputs. We can go ahead and showcase those changes. If it's we're trying to sell this almost ubiquitous software component, then it becomes, oh, how do we go show people how to do this? How do we show what the value is? How do we go down that path? And I think that is a much more difficult nut to crack. I think that's why we do lots of education. I think it'll be really interesting to see the path forward on on where that goes in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say like to that point, I think it's easy to showcase maybe the high level application on the robotic side. But as we said, there's a lot of transition into sort of like software applications. Like we got to walk through from Vention, but I think every single vendor has now a component that is more software based. And I think for me, at least, that was like one of the biggest takeaways. I think every company that we've talked to has now offerings that are even more positioned, I want to say, on the software side than pure hardware, right? And to list a few, I think PLC Next, so Phoenix Contact has a cloud offering right now where you can send your data from the PLC Next or their new IPCs. Festo, as we've discussed, there's a software component that allows you to create a program and tie in all of their hardware from the UR robot without the need of any additional hardware. And then on the Siemens side, it's a lot of the virtual PLCs. And as we discussed in the robotics, there's now applications, there's marketplaces. Vention, you can design an entire cell, you can order all of your components, and that's something we're going to look into a little bit further. But I think ultimately, again, there's a lot more that can be showcased. And I think it's also important to emphasize the differentiating factor, right? So I think at the end of the day, we can see that you can move a box from point A to point B, probably with any robot on the market, obviously with caveats being what's the speed, what's the accuracy, what's the payload, but what is the difference between Muka and ABB or any other of those brands when it comes to doing more advanced tasks as we get into those edge cases in manufacturing. I, I love this because Vlad is going to go start a robotics war in all of our comments, which is absolutely fantastic. You guys go tell Vlad what your favorite robots are. I think to some extent, the applications, many of the applications are solved. It's how can we do it better? How can we do it quicker? How can we deliver quicker? How can we extend longevity of life? I think it's a bunch of applications along those lines. But Vlad, one of the things that I want to hit on are people love robots, right? Like how many times did you and I just turn and look and it's, oh, that's an awesome robot. Or let me go look through all of this to, to go see all of the robots and things along those lines. So the reason people bring robots and large robots to the shows is because everyone's going to go stop and everyone is going to go stop and see. I will say, Jim, in the comments, I walked by the PNF booth. I did not get a chance to uh, to go very far into it, which was the theme of Vlad and my show. We were so busy with, with everything else, had so many great um, other conversations. We didn't get to dive as deeply into, we did not get to dive as deeply into a lot of the booths as we had hoped. Talking about applications, did you see anything or any one things either that we talked to or that we saw that you really liked and you wanted to highlight here? Yeah, sure. I think we've had multiple conversations about this. We got a fairly, I want to say, brief demo at the Siemens booth of their virtual PLC offering. I think we also got a product roadmap or of what's currently available and what's going to be available. In many conversations, again, I would not make the recommendation that's what you replace all your PLCs with today. 
but I'm certainly <laughs> curious what the limitations are going to be, right? Because I think that I very well understand what the current software best practices are. As I've pitched many times to you, as well as the viewers, we've had a really good discussion with Matt Paulison a couple of episodes ago, who I think truly understands it as well. And I think it will, in many ways, change the way we do things, right? And I don't know if yep. that's going to change immediately, because I think there are some limitations of the virtual PLC. But I think as we make it more robust, and we've discussed many ways on how that's going to be done, I think it will be more and more prevalent prevalent in the manufacturing ecosystem. So I, I think that, again, the entire industry is going into that more like software slash like those best practices route. I've seen that from many vendors, as I've mentioned some examples a little bit earlier. Absolutely. How about you, Dave? I saw a couple. I, there were a, a lot of great things that, that I really liked. That There were a couple that, that stand out for completely different reasons that, that I'll go ahead and mention. So Vlad mentioned we spent a bit of time in, in the Vention booth. They had a they, large booth, very modern design, a bunch of different robotics applications. One of the things that, that I loved, at least what we saw, is that everything was like perfectly color coordinated. The like 80-20 extrusions was like this beautiful dark blue. It, j it very much popped against the white of everything. And then, oh yes, then you can go kind of design and have one of these shipped and show up to your house in, in theory within a couple of days or probably your place of work. You probably don't want skids that large at your house if your name isn't Vlad. So I thought that was really interesting. Another one of the things that, that I really liked was the what was the chatbot that Siemens had. So Chris Liu, who has been on the show before, was showcasing some of the chatbot stuff. I had seen it originally in Hanover, almost as a what is this? Why is Siemens working with OpenAI? And so that is very much, and we should have a video coming out about it, but that is very much a can OpenAI in theory develop our code and we can go debate as to if we would trust a software to go develop a, a software. But the thing that I really like about it is all of the notation and documentation that it can do. So you go ask it to develop X type of code, it goes develops X type of code, and then it can go automate the documentation. And I feel like the documentation is like one of the top five plights of our industry, most of the time because there isn't any. So some pretty okay documentation would be really good in the vast majority, in the vast majority of industries and everything along those lines. I will say on that point, Dave, I'm certainly not entirely sold on ChatGPT for controls yet, but I found that the angle for documentation is certainly interesting. Yeah. So what I mean by that is I think that there's a lot of, how to say, like there's a lot of time spent in designing the architecture and a lot less time spent just typing out those basic instructions that it can currently generate but i think that very few engineers love to build out documentation right so a lot of projects are left as is once the technical side is developed so i didn't expect that to be working the way it did so that was i think an interesting component of the chatbot absolutely and i think it's fun right like, I think it's a fun demo. My understanding is it may be a 2024 release. So I think it's a fun demo. And I think that OpenAI ChatGPT is very much kind of in the news. And I think people, if you can go put together demos that generally work 
And if you can go put together those in a timely manner to go get them out of shows, I think they're fun, right? Like people put together awesome robotics demos for the show. If you want to go highlight some other stuff, go ahead and bring it in. So I certainly think that there are good opportunities for that. On that side, it makes me feel happy that the same people basically didn't dust off the same 10 by 20 booth that we've been using for the last 15 years at every single trade show and plop it down and saying, let's go have conversations. By the way, 80% of the things behind me are old and outdated. No, absolutely. Dave, if you want to close us off with a couple of final topics about Automate. So I think my my main top of mind comment is that we are definitely looking at SPS in Nuremberg, Germany later this year. We're trying to figure out if there's a good opportunity for us to make a presence. What are your thoughts maybe on some interesting trade shows coming up after Automate that are either similar maybe or could be a good fit for me and you? Absolutely. So I do want to talk about some of the other things that happened because we had, we went to a okay. couple of, of other great things, but we'll talk sure. about future trade shows. All right. So SBS is certainly of interest. We're going to have some conversations as to what that looks like. That is in November. I will say Automation Fair is in Boston this year. It is also in November. And my understanding is that Automation Fair and Rock Live and Tech Ed and PSUG are all being smushed together at the same time, at the same place uh, in, in Boston this year, which should be interesting. It's always on the list of love to go have those, love to go take a look at those. That could absolutely, that could absolutely be interesting. Let's see what else is on the list. So I, I know a bunch of folks, at least that we, we chatted with, are part of the Ignition community. I see the Ignition community conference is, to the best of my understanding, still in that uh, fairly small Folsom event center. But that historically has been mid-ish September. You can see that I'm very up on it. But that is, is typically mid-ish September. I know because Automate historically, I'm always driving or going somewhere else during that week. So I would say those are the big shows that are on the radar. There are a couple of other smaller shows, a couple of other like company style events that I or and or we, because I won't commit Vlad to those at the moment, are taking a look at almost, I think, exclusively second half of the year. So I think that there, there is great to see people back together in order to, to go have these have these conversations. But I feel like we would almost be neglectful if we didn't talk about after parties live. So there were a bunch of beers at the booth starting, I don't know, slightly in the afternoon, starting on Monday. But there, there were two large events that we had both on Tuesday. So first, Phoenix Contact, Jack Neelig was in town. I like to say Jack came to see me, but I'm sure he also came to see Vlad and, I don't know, the 4,000 other people that really wanted to see him. But Jack oh, was... In, I think he already saw you in Germany. He did. We had such yeah, a good time in Germany. We had such a good time in Germany, Vlad, we decided to to do it again. But thank you to He told, Jack. Me. <laughs> he told you it was a one, one and done. done. I hope you enjoyed your single experience with Jack. But no, Zach is in the comments. And Kelly, and thank you guys for putting on a great event. I, I had a ton of amazing conversations with people in this chat beyond it. It's always nice. And one of kind of the main takeaways that I find is, hey, it's really nice in order to go get out of the show to go have conversations in a either semi-private or just standing next to each other, everything. So I think that was awesome. We met Derek, Derek, a bunch of other people at the Monday Mixer as well. But Vlad, what were your thoughts the after show events, be it the Phoenix event, be it the manufacturing happy hour, any and everything that we did? Yeah, I think they were very interesting, right? I think that 
being the first sort of after hours event, we did network quite a bit at the Phoenix Contact event. And I think that a lot of not necessarily deals, but I think of really good business connections have been made. Manufacturing happy hour was a bit of a lighter, I want to say, event, at least for me. Maybe it was the exhaustion of the day, but also seeing people who are, how to say it, having a great time at a at a pub. There were beers, there was there was food by R&D automation. And so it was a lighter time, at least like for me at that point. And I had very relaxed conversations, although we did have, I remember, conversations with Hank on his like vision slash sensor solution. So we, as true engineers, were also almost back of the napkin trying to figure out if we were going to install vision systems or sensors for his specific application. So I think it was, it, it, both events were very interesting. I think they were slightly different in the way at least I approached each one of them, but they were interesting uh, in their own regard. Absolutely. I would say again, thank you to Hank. Hank, I know you're in the comments. I know you, we've pulled your comment up. I don't think we, we thanked you because what are a bunch of automation junkies going to do at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night at a bar, if not argue about the best and or worst <laughs> way to, to go ahead and do things. Honestly, I held back all of my terrible ideas that uh, all of my terrible ideas on that application, but that is awesome. Also want to go shout out the, the junior board of directors. Thank you girls so much for the lovely letters and and everything else it made me smile and it made my mom smile as, as well she she did not realize that we had such uh, a million and young viewers i like to say you two are almost certainly our youngest viewers yeah you two are almost our, certainly our youngest viewers and you have certainly listened to more of these shows than probably almost anyone at this point because you guys were on, in on it very early on yeah absolutely and i still have some of frank's gifts with me actually next to me so definitely appreciate that i think it was really cool to meet so many viewers of the show and i want to say people that we almost consider as old friends as we've met for the first time truly appreciate it there were people that walked up to us and that i guess we've never connected with and never maybe even left a comment and kind of thanked us for doing what we do so we certainly cannot appreciate that more any other thoughts dave before we close off the stream no, I think the biggest thought is just to echo Vlad. I guess first and foremost, thank you guys for being here to listen. I've been told over and over again that I should stop being surprised that people continue to show up. So I will do my best to promise that this is the last one. But thank you guys for continuing to, to show up and be so active in the chat and have these conversations and come up to see us. Without you guys, Vlad and I would have stopped 100 plus episodes ago. But th th this was this was absolutely amazing. Daniel is in the comments. He wants to know the result of the hot sauce challenge. So Drew Horsley, longtime friend of the show, does special hot sauce. He, he makes habaneros. He's growing habaneros. No one is more excited about that. Drew's hot sauce is probably some of the best hot sauce that I have had. Absolutely blown away uh, with the quality of it, which may or may not do well for Drew's shopify store in which he sells hot sauce and he also does industrial recruiting and uh, things like that so th there will be a hot sauce challenge video that comes out as i trolled drew we are i don't know 20 or 30 videos before that point but uh, but absolutely great hot sauce everything was amazing it was great talking to people thank you for everyone that we were able to see again apologies for all of the people whom we did not get selfies with because vlad and i are terrible at selfies in general because 
Vlad, Vlad was a big zero and like 80% of my selfies. We can take a selfie if you send it to me. So thank you everyone for going to send me a selfie with that. Vlad, any other thoughts before, before we close out? Yeah, well, I will make the comment. We brought this up a couple of times, but ultimately we have a number of different content pieces that are being worked on. So we will be releasing them slowly but surely over the next couple of weeks slash months. We want to make sure everything's good. We've got some B-roll footage from different groups. So we want to make sure that although it is maybe not timely during the show, that's a whole separate conversation. There will be some really good recaps and clips from Automate in addition to this, right? So this is not a close-off stream for us. We will be releasing more Automate content on all of our social media channels, including Manufacturing Hub and the YouTube channels, LinkedIn, and all that good stuff. Absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and close it off with things that you can expect. So Friday, Vlad and I are working on a recap of the efficient engineering theme, which are four awesome conversations. Next month, we're starting an integrator of the futures theme sponsored by Opto22. Super excited for the guests that we have committed and are trying to finish committing. And I do want to shout out to my friends over at Litmus. They are having a do more with data summit on thursday the 8th and i will be there i have a session on thursday the 8th at what time is this at 10 o'clock east coast nope i'll be there i have a session at some point on thursday you guys can go ahead and check that out i would say beyond that please go ahead and remember to uh, to like and subscribe if you guys have somehow not been following vlad and i please follow vlad and myself and manufacturing hub we put out all of the clips that exist go out on manufacturing hubs youtube or manufacturing hubs linkedin we've got a manufacturing hubs clip youtube channel that this is also streaming on so hopefully you guys enjoy that we do want to thank everyone watching on solus plc it has been super amounts of fun thank you guys for continuing to follow along and then beyond that if you guys have made it all the way to the end in podcast form, please remember to like, subscribe, follow along. The you guys doing that helps the algorithm, which helps go push it out to more people. But beyond that, we'll say we'll see you soon. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone.